Great to see you all. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We are disciples of Jesus, the, the generational and transformational disciples of Jesus. Of course, I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm great to be I'm grateful to be back with you today. And uh, uh, it was nice to take a couple of weeks off, but it's good to be back. And uh, thank you to Phil and Kate for coming in uh, this morning. It's wonderful to have you with us uh, this morning and leading us before God's throne in worship. Uh, today, we're going to continue our series, Lifesavers, as we, uh, we've gone through finding God's help in times of crisis, and these are times of crisis. Uh, and uh, here's some good news for you. Jesus is coming back. Isn't that awesome? Right? That's great news. And uh, so we get to prepare for that, and we get to uh, make sure that our hearts are ready, and our community is ready, and our families are ready, and all those things. And so we're going to take some uh, opportunity right now to get our hearts and our lives and everything ready for this. And other great news for you, God loves you. He loves you a lot. In fact, he didn't just put us in the midst of chaos, he helps us in the, in the midst of this chaos. And that's what we're going to see today, is how do we handle uh, this world in chaos? And today we're going to talk about a very specific type of chaos, a very uh, specific crisis that we find. And I would say one of the hardest crises for many of us to face. And, and those are the crises that aren't our own. When you see somebody else in crisis, doesn't that create a little bit of a pri- problem in us? That's what we have all those shows on, like what would you do, right? Those, those shows, we, we put somebody else, they, they, they show somebody else in the midst of turmoil, something bad happens, and, they, and you see everybody else who's on the outside, like what are they going to do? And we see that that oftentimes creates turmoil. Well, it's not just on TV, it's in our own lives. Oftentimes when we look into this world, our lives may be fine, but we see somebody else in pain, we see somebody else struggling. And for us, it creates this turmoil, we don't know what to do. And oftentimes it's because we don't know what to do and we don't want to make things worse. We're going to find today in God's Word some help for us in times of crisis. What do we do when, when we are at that place of we see somebody else hurting? And I'll tell you what, there's opportunity right now. There's a lot of people around us that are hurting. It's the opportunity for the church to rise up. So that's what we're going to be going through today. As we do that, of course, a, rem- a reminder of our memory verse for this series. It comes to us from Nahum 1.7. Again, uh, uh, one of these uh, really important passages in Scripture. It's uh, uh, something that's important for us to make sure that we remind ourselves of because this is what gives us that foundation and a power to, to handle crisis in life. And it's just that reminder that the Lord is good. It's a refuge in times of trouble, kind of like these. And he cares for those who trust in him. So let's remind ourselves of this just a few times. Get that put back into our heart and our minds. And let that be kind of a filter as we we go through today's message. A reminder that God is good. He's a refuge and he helps. And then we'll get into the word. So here we go. Say it along with me. Three, two, one. The Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Nahum 1.7. All right, again. The Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Nahum 1.7. Very good. You know, it's on that memory verse card that's in your bulletin, your connection card. Take that with you. A reminder, especially, you want to have that when you're in times of trouble, right? And you might not have, you know, your memory verse card with you. So use that. Put it onto your heart and mind to remind yourself that God is good. Even when times are not good, God is good. And in fact, there's a reason we need refuge. You go to a refuge when there are times of trouble, Right? And isn't it a great reminder that, that God cares for you? Do you trust in Him? 
he cares for you. So set that to your heart and mind. Now with that, if you have your Bibles, turn them to Luke chapter 10, right? And uh, Luke 10 is uh, obviously the gospel of Luke. We find uh, uh, one of the most um, interesting and well-known parables of Jesus. Uh, if you're new to uh, following Jesus' parables, Jesus taught a lot of things in terms of stories. And we call them parables, and so they teach us a lot of important things. And uh, one of the most famous parables he tells us in Luke chapter 10. And it starts as a conversation between him and a lawyer. And uh, Jesus had just sent out his 70, you know, different uh, believers. They went out and they cast out demons and they healed people and they came back. And Jesus is like, hey, listen, you know, rejoice. You know, it's, it's pretty cool that God has given you authority and power to do some great things in my name. But don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in the fact that you're going to be in the kingdom. Rejoice in that. Right. And then this lawyer comes up and says, well, how do we get to that kingdom? And, and Jesus is like, well, you know, what, what do you have to say? And he goes, they kind of go back and forth. And finally, the, uh, the lawyer says, well, you know what God really wants from us? The most important command is he really wants us to love him with everything and to love our neighbors with ourselves. And Jesus says, that's right. And so the, so the lawyer thinks he's going to trick him. Well, then who's my neighbor? Right? Who do I have to love? Can I just not love the stinky people? Because it's, it's nice to love people that are nice to me. But what about the people that I don't like? And then Jesus tells this, this amazing uh, parable. He says, you know, what does the scripture say on this? And, and uh, he then tells this parable about that. And so we're going to start in Luke uh, 10, verse 30 in there. And uh, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. It says, uh, in reply, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came by to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Ooh, <laughs> you're not supposed to see that yet. So in the parable of the Good Samaritan, we see this great picture of people and someone in crisis, right? You have an innocent stranger, he gets into trouble, right? And yes, probably was foolish and got into his own, you know, he, he was going down a dangerous path on his own, all that kind of stuff, you, right? But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story, here's a guy who is innocent, ends up getting beat up, right? And there he is, and then you have three different kinds of guys who walk through there, and what do they do when they see somebody else in crisis? And we find that there are two different responses. And the first one you saw, and that's this, it's avoidance. And that's our most natural response, isn't it? That's what the priest and the Levite both did. And they find that they saw the guy and they avoided him. And yes, there were cultural reasons, right? They would say the priest, they would say, well, here's a man of God, maybe he would help. But then it would be easy for the people to say, give the priest an excuse to say, well, yeah, but that might make him unclean and he had you know, more important things to do, maybe all that. So it's hard to identify with the priest. So we get that. So maybe a Levite, just like the, the average holy guy on the block, right? Maybe he would stop 
But even him walked around. He walked, walked by. I think for us, oftentimes we fall into avoidance. When we see a problem, we're like, you know, not my circus, not my monkeys, right? I'm going to walk away, right? I see somebody else in pain, and I've got enough stuff on my own plate, and every one of us has a trillion excuses. All of us have enough excuses to ignore somebody else in crisis. And so oftentimes we use those excuses to excuse ourselves, and we walk on by. And we find that's exactly what we had the, uh, the priest and the Levite do. Now, there's another answer, another s- a way that we can approach other people's crisis. Instead of avoidance, we find a third person. The Samaritan shows compassion. Now, compassion is to feel with, to go alongside somebody, to say, it's not to, to say I'm feeling that pain like they are, but it's to say I see that they're in, in pain, and that affects me, and I'm going to allow that to happen, and I'm also going to do something about it, right? I feel with you. Now, the Samaritan had a lot of reasons not to help. If anybody in this, this parable had excuses not to help, it was the Samaritan. Samaritans and the Jews were kind of like modern-day Palestinians and the Jews. They didn't really like each other all that much, right? They didn't mix. In fact, it was even more so, right? And they, they had all of this history and all of this bad blood between them, and if anything, you would think the Samaritan would be happy to see, you know, the, the Jew. It's, it would be like if, if a, a Republican was walking down from Denver to Estes and got beat up, and a, and a Democrat came by, or flip it, right? We understand polarization, don't we? That's what was happening here. And we find that the least likely person, person, the most excuses to walk on by, in fact, you would expect the Samaritan to kick the Jew as he walked by, but he didn't. He saw humanity. He didn't see anything else but humanity. And it moved him to do something. So instead of avoidance, we find in this parable that the Samaritan chose compassion. And, and so we, we ask ourselves, what, what did this good Samaritan do in compassion? What did the compassion cause him to do? Well, he, he dressed the bandages. He stopped. He, he, he got out of his regular routine. He put himself at great risk, right? It cost him something. He had to bandage somebody up, you know, he puts him on his own donkey, which means he doesn't get to ride his donkey, right? He's got to take him down to a, a lodge, and then he takes care of him for the evening, and if that would be awkward, and then if that wasn't enough, it cost him, he gives two denarii, he gives basically two days worth of pay, make sure that this guy is going to have some time to, to recover, and then basically gives him his credit card and says, whatever else it may cost, I will take care of that. And then after Jesus gives this very strange story, and you can imagine that the lawyer who was asking Jesus these questions kind of had his head tilted because this was not, it was the unexpected answer. Jesus asks this important question. It's in verse 35. And he says, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Now, oftentimes we think neighbors are the people that are like us. They're our neighborhood. Right? They're the most like us socioeconomically, usually racially, usually with all those other things. We, we usually live around people that, that have a lot in common with us. That's just the way humanity works. And he asks them the question, then who was the neighbor? 
And this is the whole point of the story. This is the thing that Jesus wants us to get. And it wasn't lost in the lawyer. The lawyer, of course, answers well. He says, uh, he says, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, yeah, now go and do likewise. So the point is that Jesus wants us to care, right? He wants us to, God wants us to love him with our whole hearts, right? We, we want to be disciples of Jesus. We're going to follow after Christ, and he teaches us how to love God with everything. And how do we do that, says in the word, that we can't possibly have the arrogance to say that we love God, whom we have not seen with our eyes, if we ignore the sufferings of other people whom we do see that are made in his image. And so God says, Jesus said, you love them with your whole heart, mind, soul, spirit, everything, but also love other people. And who are the other people? Well, there's not a limit on that. It's not, well, just love the people whom you think should be loved or the people who are lovely. That we have the duty and capacity to care for and to show God's love to anybody and everybody. And how spectacular is that? And couldn't the world use a little bit more of this? Well, Jesus says, I want you to go and do likewise. I want you to go and do what this Samaritan, if a Samaritan can do that in the story, can you do this in real life? And so how do you do that? Well, <laughs> I would say that uh, there are a couple things that we're going to add to our, our lifesavers as we go through this, because I think in the midst of crisis, when we see somebody in peril, we feel a little overwhelmed oftentimes. There's, there's a struggle that happens around us. We, we become panicked. We're like, what are we going to do, right? And sometimes then we, we we fall into avoidance because we just run away. So how do we not run away? When we find somebody else or people in crisis, what do we do? The first thing, remember, we talked about this the very first week, is we stop being afraid. Know this, a, a sovereign God before the beginning of time knew that you would be there at that moment. Do you think that this God who, you know, set up all things, somehow going to abandon you right then? You have been prepared for this, and he has been preparing you for this. There is a reason you are there as his agent of mercy. Don't be afraid. God is with you. The first thing you got to do is take a deep breath. This is bigger than you. It is. Guess what? You're not alone. You are a follower of Jesus. God's Holy Spirit is with you. His power is in you. His love is with you. Don't be afraid. God is bigger than this world. He's bigger on the problems of this world. And in the midst of the crisis, he's bigger than the crisis. So don't be afraid. And as we allow ourselves to, to get rid of that fight or flight kind of, <gasps> what am I going to do, right? Take a deep breath. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. And we can do this as we stand firm. Don't run away. Know that right now is an opportunity to show God's grace and mercy. And so then, just like Zach talked about last week, we can expect God, but don't try to predict him. You don't know how God is going to show up, but you know he's going to show up because he's already there. That's the easiest thing. You say, Aaron, did you show up for church today? I'm here. Yes, I did. Well, if you are there where somebody's in crisis, guess who's with you? And guess who's in that situation? God. And he has a purpose for it. So expect him. I don't know how it's going to turn out. might not turn out perfectly in the moment, but he's going to do something just expect him. Just don't try to predict him. Don't tell God what to do. Let God direct you. But stand there, trust him. So how do we do that? We keep our eyes on Jesus. This is what happens oftentimes when people come to me and they have problems. And guess what? People have problems. Right? So do I. 
And then they come to me and oftentimes they're telling me these things and I'm like, I have no idea. But here th- I want to help. And you know what I do is I pray. I keep my eyes on Jesus. It's not me they're coming to. They want God's help. And so I pray. And I say, God, you have to give me wisdom and guidance. You have to help me, help them. You know, God answers those prayers. Sometimes when somebody comes to me in crisis, the strangest things come out of my mouth. I'm like, where did that come from? And then oftentimes it's the right thing. (laughs) I'm like, glory to God. Sometimes it's not a word that comes out. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's a, it's a move in my spirit to call somebody and say, you need to go and bring this to help somebody else or help them connect. God shows up, but you keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't think that you have the solution to other people's problems. You don't, and that's okay. You have the solution in you to other people's problems. You have God's Holy Spirit. You have his goodness and his power and his love. That's more than enough. So keep your eyes on him in the process. Go to him and pray. And as we do that, now we are prepared to talk about the next two lifesavers we add to those. Because when you come to somebody in crisis, there's two more things we find in this parable we must do. And the first one is we have to show compassion, not just have the compassion. I think oftentimes we see people hurting and and our hearts are with them, but we don't know what to do. We don't want to make it worse. We just run away. We avoid. But that does nobody any good. Our compassion needs to have feet on it. We have to actually demonstrate the love that we have. The priest and Levite, they, they may have had concern in their heart, but they certainly didn't show it, did they? They left the guy worse off. In fact, if anything, as he was laying there bleeding to death, probably would have felt even more abandoned, more alone. And there are often times in life, when, and I don't know if you've ever gone through something hard, but my guess is you have. In the midst of your pain, have you ever felt ignored? Isn't it like a dagger? The body of Christ, the bride of Christ, does not ignore the people of this world in the midst of trouble. So show our compassion. It's that entering into pain with another person. See the person, not just the problem. Sometimes when somebody comes to you for help or you see somebody in crisis, the first thing to do isn't to start rattling off solutions. It's to listen to them. It's to give them a hug. And I know this is COVID time, right? But you can still show compassion. You can still care for another person. Even your presence and your acknowledgement of of them and in the midst of their their pain is sometimes uh, the most healing thing. So take that step to stop stepping. Just stop and be. Be with them. And as we do that, the next thing we have to do, we find in this, is to take responsibility. This is not fault. Oftentimes we get these mixed up. Like people think, well, if I take responsibility for something, I'm saying it's my fault. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying taking ownership over the situation. When somebody's in crisis, they are so overwhelmed, they don't know what to do. Don't wait for them to ask for help. Help. That's the most important thing you can do. Help. And uh, every one of us goes through times of difficulty. All of us do. That's part of living in this world. It's kind of the purpose of this world. I think it shows us how badly we run the universe when we pretend to be God. Right? We'll remember this when we get to heaven, which is why we're not going to hijack heaven from God. Right? We will remember. We, are, we don't have a driver's license for the universe. Right? We wrecked it. 
And so the pain that we suffer teaches us, but in the midst of that, because we all suffer, I think we get this. That there are times that when we suffer, in the midst of your pain, oftentimes you don't even know what to ask for. And you don't want to ask. Because none of us want to be a mooch, really. We don't want to be sponges. We don't want to ask for things and, and trouble other people in the midst of our pain. We don't know how. That's just natural. Well, if that was the same way for you, recognize when you see somebody else in pain, don't wait for them to say, help. They're already drowned, and you can see it. Help. However it is that you can, take responsibility. Say, I'm going to do what I can to help. I'm going to be proactive in this. I'm going to show love. I'm going to use my abilities and my time and my talent, my treasure, and all the things that I have, whatever is at my, expose, whatever at my disposal, I'm going to use, and I'm going to help this human. I'm going to see them in their pain, and I'm going to help. Now, you can do that. That's completely within your ability. So take responsibility. Take some ownership over it. Help another human. And know that God is there with you. And as we do that, expect God to meet you in it. Because remember, you're not the one who's going and really doing the ministry. But God is ministering in you and through you in those moments, isn't he? Trust him. That God is at work doing more than you ever could possibly understand. More than you can possibly uh, fathom. God does miraculous things when we just put ourselves in the place where miracles need to happen, right? So put yourself there and just serve and trust him. 1 Corinthians says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who comforts us in all of our troubles. And aren't you glad that he does that no matter what trouble you have, all of them? But why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You know that you've gone through difficult times and God's redeeming it by giving you the opportunity to help other people? But know this, when somebody is suffering, God has not abandoned them, he's preparing them. He's giving them opportunity to grow. Do you know that people come to church most often when they're in a time of crisis? When people come to church for the first time, there's a reason that they decide to come hang out with us weirdos, right? Because they need God. And they recognize they need God. In the midst of that moment, in the midst of that pain, sometimes that's the best teacher. In the middle of the pain, if you could meet somebody there, know that God is doing something in that person's life. See it, trust it, believe it. And be part of God's hand of comfort that's preparing them to then show that kindness and goodness to the next person and the next person and the next person. This is the goodness of God. He doesn't just stop with you. His love fills you to overflow. His joy fills you to overflow. His hope fills you to overflow so that it flows into this world and the world can be filled with his goodness and his glory and his light. And so don't try to contain it. Don't ignore and walk by people in the midst of, of pain. To go and to show up and to use your past and your history and the God who is in you and to love and to care. And I'll tell you this, if you are in the middle of, of this crisis, of a crisis right now. Know that God has not abandoned you. He is working in you right now. And he comforts you in your troubles even if you don't feel it yet. He is a refuge for you. He loves you. He's going to carry you through this and he's going to empower you to use this someday to help other somebody else. That's how he works. And know this, that whatever you're facing today, it's not too big for him. Nothing is too big for God. But the question is then, what if Jesus is your lifesaver in this, right? He's going to carry you through it. What if you're not with Jesus? 
And maybe, I mean, same someone at home watching online. What if you don't know the Lord? What if you don't have a relationship with Jesus? What if you're not with him? Do you have his help in the midst of crisis? Not yet, but you can. That's the amazing thing. That God didn't abandon us in the midst of this chaotic world. That God himself showed up in the person of Jesus so that we could be saved. And he, he said it very simply, that he wants to be in our lives. He wants to help us in the midst of the most important things, but not just salvation, but in all areas of life. And so the good news is if you're not with Jesus, you can be. In reality, you look at the day that we're in today, you need to be. So how do you come to Christ? It's not a hard process. The word says that we are saved by God's grace. It's just his goodness. He's going to do it because he loves you. And this is how we do it, through faith. You have to have faith in Christ Jesus as your Lord. It means you trust that he really is God. He really can save you. And that he really is your Savior. God wants us to express that faith in some important ways. He says, I want you to have that internal faith, that invisible faith. There's some practical things. I want you to, to demonstrate that faith in your life. So you see it, and it's, it's active. I want you to believe. And so it says, belief just means he's going to trust in Christ, even when you have doubts. And you will have doubts, because he's invisible right now. But not very long from now, he's not going to be invisible. But he's invisible now. So you're going to have doubts. But you're going to trust that he's actually there, and his power is in you and with you. You're going to trust that he saves you. And it's okay to have doubt. Just trust. That's belief. That's expressing that faith and belief. There is also, we don't just believe, but that we also repent, which we change how we live. Oftentimes, the crisis we have in life is because we've been driving the bus, and then we, you know, drive it off a cliff. There's a different way to drive, a different way to live. We let Jesus lead us. So follow him. That's repentance. And how do you learn to follow him? Well, the best way is to Join a church family and learn from others. You know, follow us as we follow Christ. You'll figure it out. Being a generational transformation disciple. It's an amazing thing as we learn how to follow Christ. He tells us in his word. He, he teaches us how to live a better way. And so we do that together. That's what repentance is. It's just following him. And we, we confess. It just means we say, hey, I'm with Jesus. And isn't it cool that the God of the universe wants to identify with you? Yeah. And so you confess with your mouth and your life that you believe, that you trust that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. He invites you to the water of the baptism, be born again, to experience that regeneration. It's awesome things. He says, I invite you also to a church family to be disciples so you can grow up in a healthy spiritual home. All of those are important expressions of faith. There are ways that we come to Christ. But I'll tell you this, that without Jesus, we are lost. Which is why the most important thing, we talk about how do we help somebody in the midst of crisis, know this, that Jesus truly is our lifesaver. Jesus is. He's the one that allows us to be able to stand firm and to not be afraid and do all those things and to keep our eyes on him because he's there. And to trust in him and so we can have compassion. And so we can take responsibility in the midst of other people's crisis so that we can bring his love and his goodness into this world. And so we must stand with Christ. Now, as I bring this message time to a close, you know, I don't want your, uh, your understanding to outmatch your obedience, right? That's a danger as we grow in Christ sometimes, as we can know a lot more about God than we're willing to follow him in. And that's not healthy. 
which is why every week I invite you to take some next steps. So on your connection card on the back side, there's some ways that I'm going to challenge you to start putting this into practice so that your obedience matches your understanding. And that's where the power of God and the goodness of God and the, the, that sanctifying power of God is, is met in your life, right? That's where you meet him there in that. That's an expression of faith. So here's some things I'm going to challenge you to do this week. The first one is I want you to memorize Nahum 1-7. When you see someone in crisis, you need to recognize that you aren't the refuge, right? That God is good and that he is the refuge and he cares for those who trust in him. That is a great place to help people go to, right? Set that to your heart and mind. Know it not just here in the building, but in this world that we live in. Also, read Matthew 14. There's a whole lot of stuff in that uh, not just the, the parable, but see the whole context of the parable. Read everything around it. Read Matthew 14, the word of God for yourself. It is powerful stuff. It's amazing, transformative things in there. So just take some time. It'll take you two minutes, but spend time in God's word. In fact, if you're at it, you might as well just read most of Matthew. It's a great book. Also, I'm giving you an opportunity to show compassion for, and there's a blank there. And this is what I'm going to challenge you to do. Maybe there's someone in your life you know who's in, in crisis right now, and you've been afraid to help. You can write their name down. Maybe there's somebody who you don't have anybody that you know in there. I want you to pray. I would like you to ask God, who is it you would like me to show compassion for? Because I guarantee you this, there's enough suffering in our world, especially today, that there's somebody that you can have compassion for. So you can't think it off the top of your head. Ask God, and he'll give you a name, right? Start praying for them and find a way to show compassion. Also, take responsibility for. That would probably be the same person. Take responsibility. Say, ask God, how do you want me to help this person right now in this time of need? Can you do those things? I'll tell you, as a body of Christ, if we unleash the goodness and the power of, of God's grace in this community right now and online, wherever you are, right now in this day and age, I mean, we have incredible opportunity to show that our God truly is a refuge. That he truly does care for those that, that trust in him, that our God truly is good. All right, so now you hopefully have had an opportunity to think about your commitments you'd like to make. If you have any prayer requests, write those down. If you're online, please send in your prayer requests. I can't pray for you if I don't know what to pray for, so please send those in, and we will be praying with you and for you this week. I'm going to have the worship team come forward after we're done. Uh, please take your, your connection cards, drop them in the back there along with your tithes and your offerings on that, and uh, let's just join me in prayer as uh, we prepare our hearts to conclude with worship. Lord God, we thank you that you are truly a good God that you love us so much you didn't abandon us even when we really cast you away. Instead, while we were still your enemies, you came to us and you showed us great love and great mercy. Lord, we, we find that you didn't just teach us to be the good Samaritan, but in many ways that you were the good Samaritan in our own life. That you came for us when we weren't looking for you. You came for us when we were beat up and broke. And you came and brought us every good grace and every good thing we needed. And so that we could not just be healthy, but that we would be able then to go and help others. So help us in this church to face the crisis of this world with your power and your goodness. Give us opportunity as your body and your bride to care for this world around us and for one another in your name. And Lord, this week, as we apply these next steps, as we begin to practice that, give us the, the ability to show true compassion, to take responsibility and do your ministry through us that, that you may be seen as the good God that you are. Lord, we lift all this to you in the powerful name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.